Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Welcome back to Roadcase, everybody. This is your host, Josh Rosenberg. I am so psyched to be here with this episode with the wonderful Patrick Holland. Really glad that you're all along for this ride. There's a number of different ways that you can get involved with the Roadcase community. Really quick and easy way is to follow us on the socials. We're at Roadcase Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find out more information about Roadcase by visiting our website, www.roadcasepod.com. You can also email us with questions, comments, concerns, or just get involved. Our email is info at roadcasepod.com. Another great way to get involved with Roadcase and to support this podcast, I really rely on the support of you amazing listeners. Really easy way to do that is, sub- sub- is to subscribe to Roadcase on your favorite listening platform. So if you're listening on Spotify, that little box that says follow, just click that box. And on Apple Podcasts, another popular listening platform platform, that little check mark up in the upper right-hand corner, just click that. Doing so on both those platforms and other platforms enables you to receive updates when new episodes come live. Another great way and very easy and helpful for this show is to rate and review Roadcase on your listening platform. So again, if you're on Spotify, underneath that follow box, there's a little box with a couple stars. Just click on that one. And on Apple Podcasts, just scroll down slightly you'll see some stars click a bunch of those stars to rate the podcast and you can also write a review there i really rely on the support of you fine listeners and thanks so much in advance for that really psyched to have patrick holland on the show Uh, he's got a new album out entitled you're the boss uh, effectively his debut album as a solo effort entitled patrick holland he had prior uh, worked as project pablo when creating electronic music This latest release is guitar-driven indie pop, super silky and glossy. I really loved it, and that's not really necessarily my lane, but it's really wonderful and beautiful. He's singing for the first time, and he's writing his own lyrics. Patrick grew up in Vancouver, now based in Montreal. Uh, He'd worked extensively as a DJ traveling the world solo and is now super excited to tour with his friends as a band singing and playing his own music. The contrast of live play, of, of live played guitar music and electronica are fairly obvious, but also very striking. But there is a deeper reason for this transition for Patrick, and we'll learn more about that. Uh, essentially, you know, he wanted a change of scene from the DJ and electronic world, and was tired also tra- tired of traveling solo. And the hours that a DJ keeps are just absolutely insane, and became a huge challenge for him, among others. If you'd like to learn more information about Patrick, you can visit his website at hollandpatrick.com. Like I said, he's got a new album out entitled You're the Boss. He's playing his first one of his first shows as Patrick Holland at the Pop Montreal International Music Fest on September 30th, the date of the publication of this episode. Then he comes back a month later, plays a Halloween show in Montreal at the end of October. Obviously, that's October 31st. 
And the first week of November, he's doing a brief East Coast run. So check out, uh, go back to his website and check out those dates. Uh, really super psyched that you're all here for this one. This was a really great conversation with just an exceptional human and a really interesting and dynamic performer. Really excited to share this with you. Thanks again for being here. And I want to send a special thank you to Patrick Holland for being here on this episode of Roadcase. And here we go. Hey, Patrick, thanks for being on Roadcase, man. So good to see you, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's a pleasure, man. You're, you're, you're so welcome. I'm so happy to have you on Roadcase. And as I was just saying, electronica and what you're calling what you do, I don't know what it is, but it's fucking amazing. Like just sonically, just just blows my mind quite a bit, I'd have to say. Thank it's you. not necessarily an avenue that I walk down a lot, but I really super enjoy it. And I'm so excited that you have this new album coming out july 29th you are the boss self-produce it you're writing lyrics mm -hmm. you're singing for the first time sing it for the first time on recordings i mean i have sung before <laughs> oh you mean in the shower or what yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay all right i mean yeah, as yeah, a teenager yeah. uh, the big thing i did all the you know the embarrassing teenage stuff of like playing campfire guitar and stuff like that yeah so, okay that's not what all, I mean. we we, we, yeah, yeah 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 um well just like let's just drill down like so um what was that like to to just say you're gonna sing on one of your albums are there from what i understand they're, they're mostly a lot of instrumental stuff and it's just absolutely yeah. gorgeous like all my other stuff was like generally yeah like you said electronic based uh like no live instruments or anything um and definitely no vocals uh so mm. yeah doing this switch was like something i've been wanting to do for a long time because, uh, like I said, you know, I used to do embarrassing campfire guitar. And <laughs> you like wanted that, to like, so. well, not to continue the shower analogy, but you wanted to yes. cleanse yourself of the prior singing efforts that you had yes. done, if you will. <laughs> it's it's fun. I mean, it's fun to switch things up. And in, in the studio, I had been working yeah. on a lot of other people's music uh -huh. uh, in this sort of vein with like a lot of guitars, a lot of live drums and stuff like that. And I felt like it was time to just do it for my own project. Well, so. did you feel like it was, did you, is that sort of like a self-imposed, I feel like I should do this now? It feels like from what I'm learning about yeah. you is that it represented a kind of a sea change in the way that you're looking at the world and the way that you're looking at yourself. Would you, can you yeah. talk about that a little bit? If that's I, correct? I, I definitely, I definitely didn't feel like I, I was forced into it because I think it was the opposite. I've kind of forced it on myself to do because and many there was like a lot of drawbacks to doing this you know i was kind yeah. of like you know leaving certain parts of my career or what i had built behind mm -hmm. uh, by, by by kind of doing this um it's not really something i can just dip my toe in which i think many people think i'm just doing but i think mm. when you once you open up this box of like you know writing songs like prop like uh not so much just like instrumental stuff once you dive into the song stuff, I'm a little addicted, that's for sure. And I don't think I'll be going back to just purely instrumental stuff for a while. Oh, interesting. Well, mm -hmm. what would it look like um, just dipping your toe in? Why were people saying that? Was that sort of I mean, like, those are the doubters and the haters that are like, oh, yeah. you can't do this? You can't do this. I mean, that's kind of why I wanted to come out with like a full album of this stuff instead of it just being a single or mm. an EP or something. I feel like a full album really kind of like gets the point across. Yeah, um, totally. Was it kind of fun to keep that under your hat kind of for a while? 
Yeah, or did you? I mean, did you was, say like, "Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing"? Did you put it out there? Or what's the? I mean, I know you are now, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Even though it hasn't I mean, come I, out, I, but like, how long has this been a thing? And was that fun to sort of just keep it to yourself for a little while? It was. Yeah, I definitely I kept it to myself, except for like you know people that I know personally or in person sort of things yeah. and stuff. Yeah, sure. But I wasn't like posting or really hinting at it online necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess like the only thing that would have been really hint worthy would have been kind of my switch up like i started playing in bands um in the last year instead mm. of djing which i usually did primarily ah interesting so if people but, were looking for clues yeah i mean i guess <laughs> some people are like oh he's like playing bass now in in tops like touring and stuff yeah um, which i did for the last year and i wasn't djing anymore so i think people were like what are you doing kind of thing right um but yeah and then i got to announce that sort of publicly when the time came for the first single. Is that your is that your instrument of choice, bass? Uh no, I only did that just because it was the instrument they needed in the mm-hmm. band. And mm-hmm. I mean it is super fun to play. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't played it before. Like I I had to like buy, I bought a bass to be in the band, kinda. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll learn the song. Somehow that's stuff. just very quaint, I'd have to say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I also needed a bass for sure. You guys need a bass player? Well, hold on. I got to go to Chicago Music Exchange for a minute. Yeah, yeah, I'll be I'll right back. BRB. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, I was very lucky to be put into that opportunity. But, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So was that sort of like an out? uh sort of a a uh what do i want to say um a factor sort of a um god what's the word i'm looking for just a um uh because after after the pandemic sort of a you know a factor of just the way things had changed that now you um a band that you'd work with prior is sort of asking you to also tour with them uh well yeah i mean it was it was a a bittersweet thing honestly because their previous bass player uh who's a good friend of mine um, he actually, he got sick with like long COVID, uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he was too ill to tour with them when touring came back. Oh my, sorry uh, about that. So, you know, but luckily, I mean, I, I offered to do it and with him, he felt very comfortable about it and stuff too, which was nice. But, um, yeah, a very good friend of mine. He makes music as better person as well. Better this person. Is, okay. This is solo project. Um, same sort of electronica um no his, his stuff is more like um sort of a I'm trying to think of a good a good descriptor it's more he's uh like a european crooner certified oh cool uh on top of uh all sorts of yeah mostly like electronic based productions and stuff but um definitely heavy on the ballad type of songs interesting what is lo- what 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 um geez long covid what ha- is what there's a whole bunch of different symptoms that you can Tons, get yeah. in long term. I mean, it's very under researched, and uh, I guess it's yeah. being. Hep- I would hope that it's being heavily researched globally, but um, yeah, it's just. I guess the main uh, symptom is like extreme fatigue, right? Uh, and not being able to do like anything. Damn, just bed- bedridden. Yeah, that's really what? unfortunate. Wow, bedridden. Shit. Sorry about mm-hmm. that for your friend. Um, yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Still is. I mean, it's a long road to recovery. That's for sure. Yeah, when I had COVID, I was like super, super duper fatigued, but it went away after like a week. Yeah, back in yeah. November. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So 
let's talk about that, that sort of changing gears a little bit that from from electronica let's go back into that to this new album which is really really beautiful and and so intriguing and i was just i i couldn't stop I, once i started listening to it i just i couldn't stop it was just uh it was like just grips you and 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 draws you into the to these amazing stories which you know having that i think like it, having that background in electronica and being able to um, create those sonic atmospheres and then adding songs and lyrics and mm -hmm. you know lyrics and 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 having those more um encapsulated songs it's just it was just super super compelling but um uh you talked about um coming out of the pandemic and struggling a lot with anxieties and unknowns about the future and such and ghosts uh keep <laughs> cropping up quite a bit I guess for yeah. you and as well as for me in my research of what went on, can you talk about that a little bit yeah. and just kind of give me some context on that and how it was important for you and how it affected <laughs> totally. you? I mean, a lot of that feeling and like the anxiety that I was writing about and everything uh, and like the subconscious stuff uh, was all actually stemming like pre pandemic. Cause I was like on tour a lot alone um, mm. before then, like, too much honestly and i i was definitely feeling very too much touring or too alone too much touring um and too yeah i mean and then that causes you to be too alone even though you're with different friends a lot of times uh you if you're doing the dj alone. and the electronica stuff you're often it's just you up there right yeah huh. and it's it's you up there but like that's usually when you're around people and then there's a lot of just the casual travel time uh which is a lot of time that actually actually is majority of the uh majority of the time you're just rolling solo so you get left to a lot of your own thoughts and you have to like yeah, yeah make a lot of um you know you have to compartmentalize a lot of anxiety and stuff and kind of figure that out so and a lot of the ghost ghost related stuff i guess stems from like spending a lot of time in hotels solo in many different parts of the world um mm. and feeling like there was like sort of this compa companion along the way in a way i was never like oh i saw a ghost or something but there was a lot of uh kind of creepy things that occurred that i didn't end up being so creepy i kind of felt like it was like heartwarming almost well, talk um, to me about what do you mean like you know how you'd be like freaked out if like a, a glass fell off the table and smashed or something um, uh yeah unless yeah. i pushed it off the table exactly but Patrick, I, it, what's going on man it usually it wouldn't feel i don't know like the initial reaction i mean i get creeped out from like scary movies and stuff right oh this, dude i hate scary movies yeah why would you put yourself through that but i'm i know exactly but then yeah. in this instance it didn't it didn't really the, the initial knee-jerk reaction to these types of things wasn't fear when it actually happens in real life kind of thing which was nice. Did it actually happen in real life though? Yeah. Like I had like a glass, like combust on my table, like right in front of me. Combust. You mean combust is like, like getting, it, like going it, in flames. It really, it didn't, not flames, but it blew up. It was like Explode. spontaneous. Yeah. Cause I was like searching it up afterwards. Like why something like that can happen. And there's many reasons, but I was like, not a single one of those instances occurs. What well, was like currently in that state uh, wow. when it happened to me. Wow. So there's like stuff like that. Holy um, shit. Something else happened like of, that? Just, I mean, that was like a main one. Um, and then other ones were like, you know, being in, in a hotel room alone and hearing like a lot of creaks and weird noises and stuff like that. Um, 
Creaks and weird noises in a hotel. I, I would, I, I would yeah. have to attribute that to just the physical nature of totally. a building. I mean, you could kind of explain that stuff away and make yourself feel better, yeah. <laughs> which is what I do if I have to watch a scary movie before exactly. I go to bed. Yeah. Uh, you know, there aren't a lot of chainsaws around today. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, no. Um, but yeah, a a glass blowing up. But so, how did these things? How how did these affect you, and what what why are why is it particularly important to you in your own creative process? These um, I mean, these particular yeah, events. When, when you spend a lot of time alone, you just like you know you overthink things. That's for sure. So this was like a product of overthinking your kind of like subconscious uh, stuff, basically. Yeah. Um, but whether it was ghosts or not, I don't know. But it was mm. pretty fun to think of it as that sort of like way and like almost like an imaginary friend kind of thing. Um, <laughs> this is my imaginary friend. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Kind of right. annoying me at night or like playing little pranks on me and stuff. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Well, is that how you sort of, and, and how did that work? Cause I, I understand it worked your its way into your own creative process. Exactly. So how yeah. did that, what did that look like? Well, I mean, I guess I wrote most of this record when I was, I had started it when I was on the, on tour a lot pre pandemic. That's when mm -hmm. I was writing a lot of lyrical ideas and stuff. Mm -hmm. And this sort of same topic came up a lot in my notes app and whatnot. That's usually how I go about things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, me too, yeah. It's just like my notes app is just full of junk. Um, <laughs> And then I would rip through that when I got back post pandemic, but then, you know, I was home now with people, uh, like I live with my girlfriend here, so mm -hmm. I was no longer alone all the time, but it was, uh, so I wasn't, you know, experiencing the same sort of thing. So it was a sort of, a lot of the record and certain songs are about sort of missing this imaginary friend or this ghost figure. Um, and it's about kind of going through that like departure of a friend, um, and kind of like we'll see each other again soon. So that's sort of how it lyrically it came into being. Interesting. Ah, mm -hmm. uh, so um, I was kind of drawing parallels. I was thinking about how you talked about sort of being out on the road and having that anxiety of being alone. Can can you tie is that can you tie that back to songs and lyrics that you had created totally. for this album, like pre-pandemic, even when you were yeah yeah like yeah. like I said a lot of the the like. I know a lot of people talk about when the pandemic first hit, there was a lot of like lack of creativity. Um, and so I wasn't really, and that I felt the same way in a lot of ways. So I wasn't really drawing lyrically off like the way I was currently feeling. Uh, mm -hmm. It was, I was more diving back into the notes app of the way I was feeling prior uh, to all gotcha. that. So a lot gotcha. of the writing is actually about like not, you know, being at home or anything. So it yeah. is about, yeah, that sort of travel anxiety and yeah, yeah. rolling solo for months on end. Well, did that feel good to finally do that and write lyrics and, and, oh, totally. and sing those songs? Tell me about that, that process kind of inside yeah. of you and, and that whole putting yourself, putting yourself out there. What was that yeah, like? No, it's like, it's putting yourself out there in a way more vulnerable way, which oh, is something that, total. I, would that think I really so. wanted yeah. to do. Yeah. 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 I mean, being vulnerable is hard to do, but it feels yeah. good when you finally do it. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was encouraged initially like my two friends when when uh i was in the studio a lot and mm -hmm. while i was actually initially like finally starting to record vocals and stuff yeah my two friends who were in tops um like a, my friend i mentioned before who was too sick to play bass mm -hmm. uh, he was actually staying above my studio at the time mm -hmm. and so when i was showing stuff to them they just kept encouraging me to keep going um and at the time it felt like i was just kind of like shooting in the dark and then things sort of finally started working itself out mm -hmm. um yeah, but just so much recording, like 
I've recorded those songs vocally like so many times. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you kind of console yeah. yourself saying, oh, this is the first time I've done this. I got to do a shit ton of takes or yeah. was it kind of like, did you get reality, better as you went along? Did, did, that, did oh, that process definitely. become less painful as the, as you went along? It, it became way less painful. Um, it became, I became more like sure of myself and what I actually wanted to achieve and whatnot. Mm. But I know, I think now I'm like, no, oh, next time it's going to be so much easier, but I'm like, there's going to be a whole new crop of like, New challenges, things. like yeah, look at it from challenges. the positive side, man. <laughs> exactly. There'll be yeah. tons of new things that are very yeah. difficult to do and achieve, which is good. I mean, that's yeah. what makes it exciting, right? Through, um, yeah, throughout your career, had have you um, consistently undertaken new challenges? And this is kind of just kind like of, that next challenging step for you? I feel like this was the biggest challenge I kind of put myself in to do. I feel like like tour was the challenge enough from the years of 2016 and up until now. Mm -hmm. um, so my records didn't feel like much of a difficult thing to make um, for those last few years, honestly. Uh, yeah. And which makes me, yeah, which that then that gets me excited now knowing that I'm like, okay, I know what it really takes to make a record. Um, whereas before I wasn't undertaking that many, that much risk or being that vulnerable. Um, so yeah, that's like a huge, I guess, a thing that I'm quite excited about. In that you're not being that vulnerable, does that mean that electronica... Well, I guess anybody that's actually using an instrument as a um, as a conduit for their own emotions, mm -hmm. a guitar comes to mind oh, any, immediately. Anything, yeah, anything um, can be vulnerable. Like, uh, instrumental music definitely can be, but I know specifically in me and myself and my the music I was recording, Yeah, um, there was a lack of vulnerability there, for sure. Oh, you're saying you said a lack of vulnerability. Yeah, for for in, me, like for, a, for my in electronica. Yeah, it gets to yeah. be. It's a like, talk to me. Talk to me about what that what that seems like in your own head and feel to have that sort of lack yeah. of lack of uh, of vulnerability through your. Instruments. I mean, a, a lot of like me, like the music I was making before, I felt like I was just kind of jamming with myself um, and like purely mm -hmm. having a good time. Yeah. I would never really like work myself into a corner where I was like, "This is really difficult." Yeah. Um, but not saying that making music like that is easy or anything because it isn't, but like I'm talking specifically my recordings. Um, yeah. So I know that in that stuff, there were definitely moments that I was in it and being vulnerable through, you know, playing the instrument and stuff too, but it didn't happen as often as it was when recording this new record, basically. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, when it's, when the instrument is you essentially, when it's your voice, that's yeah. just a whole other bag of tricks right there. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. It's like way scarier every day. Totally. As you do totally. it. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Respect, man. Yeah. That's so cool. Tell me about um, electronica and what you do and what that, what, what, what is that process like for you on stage to create, um, to recreate or even to just create on the fly, perhaps um, the sounds and the essence in your, in your songs. What is that? What is that like? Cause I'm so, I'm not, essentially very familiar with 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 that world can you can well, you yeah, kind of I mean, like just lay it out for me totally i mean with the new stuff i'm going to be doing it kind of like proper like old like a uh, classic band style i guess you could say yeah It'll for sure like let's talk about we'll talk before, about that but before. well yeah before yeah, yeah, yeah. is what i'm talking about like yeah. you know walk me through like i don't know anything about what this totally. what, what it's like for that from from your perspective as that artist before there's like two avenues that i would take when it comes to playing shows like one of them was djing 
And so that's primarily playing, you know, records, like traveling with vinyl and like playing records in clubs and yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. But you'd play like on average, a two hour set would be minimum. And mm-hmm. then you'd, you'd play two between two to five hours, sometimes more than then. Mm-hmm. All depends on like the type of party or the type of venue. Right. Um, and then there would be the option to also do live sets, which I did do a decent amount of and kind of was doing a lot more regularly in 2018, 2019. Right. Um, and then that consists, like you were saying, it's more like recreating those sounds live. Yeah. And so that's that's touring with synthesizers. Um, so like multiple keyboards or like rack mounted units yeah. of synthesizers and then mixing that with backing track recordings coming off a laptop or another okay. sort of sampler or sequencer, like an MPC, or another one's the Octatrack that a lot of people tend to use. Uh-huh. Um, and but, that's yeah. a thing that's got like pre-recorded sounds or tracks. It's like, it exactly. takes a, I, I would assume it takes an extraordinary level of organization in your so own head. Like there's a, you know, a whole yeah, yeah. other thing. The closest I come to that for bands that I follow is Sylvanesso, which I, whom I, whom okay, I love, I and heard. I love the way they put it together. Yeah. Sorry? I haven't heard of them before, but I'll oh, check it yeah, 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 it's 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 a little more rock, all alt rock, kind of uh, electronica. Mm-hmm. At least for me, that's what I get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, so you know, the, the, um, um, there's a vocalist and an individual that also um, that 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 plays uh, pre-recorded sounds and other things on the synthesizer, and it seems mm-hmm. like there's a lot of button pushing. For totally. Like, I mean, for, like you said, it's, it's so like, much organization. It's like being hyper organized and then you're kind of like showing that organization to an audience in a way, but through an audio sort of sense. But yeah. then there, there's, there's tons of ways to have fun with it for sure. Um, and keep it more intuitive and more like fully live as so, well. So yeah, that, and that's what I also wanted to yeah. talk about. So how do you, how do you put in those little flourishes and how has this become a, you know, you, and, uh, you know, a personal, uh, venture for Patrick Holland or totally. for uh, you. You also have performed under the name Project Pablo as well. Yeah, yeah. That was my old artist name. Primarily, I mean, that's like that was the artist name that got me the biggest. Um, but then, I mean, I changed that. I changed my artist name in twenty. I is it the top of twenty twenty? I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but for multiple reasons. But then, I mean, a big one was you know I. That you got I was sued? Reached out. No, I was, well, <laughs> I, I was getting reached out, out by a bunch of people in like the Latinx community that were, you know, offended by the name and stuff. And then the big thing is like, I just, I'm not trying to offend anyone in what I do. And Pablo is feel... simply the name Paul in Spanish. I, I know. I mean, I know, respect but... if they felt that they were toes exactly. were being stepped on somehow. Yeah. Uh, what was it, it? What was their it, argument? It will. Yeah. Is that is like, I don't come from. It's a cultural you know, appropriation and, kind of argument. Yeah, cu- cultural appropriation. And it was uh, at a time, yeah, you know, where that. it's like things are very heated around that topic. And like, I was not trying to add add to the fire at all. You know, I'm not like, again, it's like there's not one bit of me that wants to be like offending someone, uh, even with like, you know, right off the bat with my artist name. Whether yeah. someone's offended by like my lyrics or my music, you know, that's a different discussion. Yeah, but, that's like, something re- personal that comes in from that. But you, you saw the mm-hmm. cultural appropriation argument. You looked, you, totally. it sounds like you acquiesced to that pretty quickly. Yeah, and I was like, you know what? You're like totally right here. Yeah. Like, I'm, okay. I'm not trying to like fight this or something. I have no personal vendetta against this. This is like, I don't want people to be offended by okay, my artist's fair. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I also just, I, you know, it's nice to go by your personal name too, in a lot of ways. Because it again, when we talk about vulnerability, oh, it's yeah. like another. You go deeper into vulnerability that way. I find when you put it all on the line, you're personally name. accountable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. 
Well, so then, so um, we were gonna, I was gonna ask you about that kind of personal level of, um, of uh, when you're up there on the live stage and how you can, in, 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 um, you can um, infuse a little bit of your own personality totally. and the way that you produce the music and what it looks like for you mm-hmm. on stage. What does that look like for you? And what would for I see me, if I'm, if I'm yeah. out in the audience? Well, at that time, yeah, when I was doing like the electronic live sets, yeah, I was yeah. doing, I was playing keys. So I'd be playing a lot of the melodies and stuff like that, melodies and chords. I'd be doing mm-hmm. that live yeah, and kind of mixing it up. I wouldn't do it. I'd rehearse it to a certain degree, but I would leave, you know, I would be open for improvisation and mm-hmm. like pushing sections longer, pushing songs longer and kind of like bringing a lot of elements in and out and kind of like live remixing, if you will. Um, Interesting. Oh, yeah. so if I knew your stuff from an album, then I would go, oh, this is a cool little switch on on what it exactly. sounded like. From or a- you'd be like, oh, I remember this melody and like the synthesizer is different for this song. But I because I'd be like playing that differently or yeah. like the beat would be a bit different. And I'd kind of do that because it was all about matching the flow of the set. Because I guess the big thing is in my sets at that time, there was no like breaks between songs. It's not like you play a song and then everyone claps and then you start yeah. another one. Oh, I love it's that. It's just like a, a full thing all the way through. Uh-huh. Um, are you teasing stuff like from other songs and yeah, and totally. from your own songs in another song and then coming back to it and exactly. that whole just doing that? Yeah. That's really cool. I love that. So jam bands do of, that. Jam bands do that. Uh, yeah, I, I a guess lot. it's it's, yeah. it's really just like a jam band, but uh, yeah, doing it alone on stage with a bunch of machines, <laughs> <laughs> just like a jam band. Yeah, yeah. no, the, the concept is real though. I was like, like yeah, a hyper sure. automated jam band. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, without like your seven buddies, but you get lonely on the road, man. Yeah, tell exactly. tell me about that. Like what? Like I mean, I gotta say, like even though traveling with a band with other people there's a lot of cons to it, which like all the classic ones, but, um, I don't mind it at all. I prefer to travel with other people than alone now. Yeah. I find. Well, you had commented, um, or I'd read about, uh, and just doing research that you felt like the electronica world, there was a lot, it was, um, uh, kind of elements of a toxic environment there. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? And, uh, I mean, I, I guess like I started doing, like I started DJing and making music, um, you know, for the fun of it, for sure. Yeah. It was never to like make money or, um, yeah, it was like nothing more than just cause I love making music and yeah. then DJing became a thing. Like I also never planned on DJing. And then I realized it was like the one live way I could kind of present this music or participate in like the live music space. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a long time and had a lot of fun with it. And I was playing at the, when I started out doing a lot more like DIY parties, at like warehouse spaces or art spaces and studios and whatnot. And then started playing a lot more established venues and whatnot, which was great. Um, always great to do, but then it gets to this point of commercialization that I feel like through the 2010s, the scene I was involved with became very commercialized. Um, mm. and a lot of the values kind of slipped away as to what I was actually like interested or wanted to be aligned with. So I didn't feel as excited about it anymore. Hmm. Really. What were some of those values? Uh, you mean the values that I wanted to align with or the values yeah. that got, well, uh, that's, I mean, that's the next question, but just, go, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, a, a big thing is like, you know, just like the reason why you want to go out to say like a night or a party is because you want to hear the music and have a great time with friends. Right. Right. And I feel a lot of things and stuff, people wanted to go to parties like for being cool or something. And I was like, oh, wait, when I started doing this, 
I was like doing it with like a bunch of nerdy people. And then now it's like the hot hip thing to do. And I was like, mm, I don't really necessarily feel good about that. Um, and well, you're saying the fine. hot, the hot hip thing or go, go ahead, go ahead. You know, it's like, that. it's, it's fine that it's, it's fine when things kind of align that way. But I guess uh -huh. a lot of the dance music stuff became just very fashion based versus it being like about the music or the collective kind of conscious on the dance floor or something. Um, it was more about like, Hey, look at me kind of thing. Uh, and that's where you get like, it, it, I saw the underground dance music world that I was sort of a part of turn into sort of what the EDM dance world is, which you see at large festivals and stuff. Um, so yeah. That just, so in I the mean, food chain, there's like electronica and then there's EDM is just about sounds and having fucking party. Uh, where yeah. electronica well, it, can be generally categorized as a little more cerebral along the I lines guess, of what yeah. you do. Totally. And it was more uh, like, and those, like, those, it sounds like you're saying those worlds were kind of like blending together a little too much for you. Were you not getting like fan response or no, was it, was it apparent that. from where you were on stage at that point? No, or how'd you get it, this it, vibe? It was more from going to playing parties that like you weren't like looked at to all of a sudden playing parties where like looking at the DJ booth was like all there was. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I guess DJing is not really, I don't really see it as like this performance where you're supposed to be on a stage. Mm. Uh, that's like generally not really what it is in, in my mind and a lot of other people's minds, but then it just got hyper commercialized. And then the acts like me were sort of pushed into this context of playing on like major stages and stuff, which is great. Cause like in a monetary means, you know, it's great to make some extra cash and mm. all of that. And I was definitely a part of the problem of that too, because I was gunning for it. But um, I was like, you know what? I don't, with this, I don't feel good about doing that necessarily. Not that I was fully against it. I just was no longer like excited in my, like my heart, like about doing it, you know? So you didn't um, want to focus entirely on you. And that was no. what, the, that's, that, that's kind of more of the trend where this was going, that it's the exactly. DJ who's the star. Yeah, uh -huh. Exactly. That. Uh, it's the Skrillex. I, I think, is, is Skrillex and Diplo sort of of that? Yeah, yeah. Like they're like that. They're like the ultimate they're, mainstream, super famous, like celebrity type DJs. Yeah, uh, which is yeah. cool too. I mean, I'm that. But don't you, I, I? I have nothing against that. I just don't want to be that. You know, it's like I, it's, it's I, a yeah. Me I'm totally, thing. I'm totally I, getting that. I'm, yeah, I'm not, just not like it's great that that world exists and yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. It's right. just I don't want to do that. Huh. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. What what did a show look like for you when what's your ideal show from that perspective? And 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 I know this is in the past and you know, we're yeah, gonna talk yeah. more we're gonna talk about more about the album, but just to, totally. to kind of understand where you came from and such. Um, what was that what did that look like for you in the ideal scenario? Was it people just grooving with one another at a show and then and you're providing that conduit for them to do that totally. without you really having to put your personality on display as part of that of what you do up there? Yeah, exactly that. It's a lot huh. more fun when like people come to a party to kind of be with each other, you know? And, and you wanted to provide of, the soundtrack for that. Exactly. And a lot of yeah. parties still are that. There's tons of that still. It's just uh, less, I think maybe a little less so. Um, I'm sure it still exists in like kind of younger generations and stuff that I'm no longer involved with but mm -hmm. um or at least i hope there it is you know so you want to you like you want to be that cool guy over in the corner that's just like fucking melting people's minds kind of on the down low is what you're saying yeah i mean I, I guess that that would be more the vibe than everyone staring at me being like what's he gonna do next i was like i should not be the focus 
Well, it should be it, like dancing with each other instead. But is that your yeah. personality? Yeah, definitely. I don't. I'm definitely not someone that enjoys the spotlight too much. But you, you did say you were kind of down for it for a little while because it's a little. It's it. I but be, becoming that DJ personality is, I, I would say, slightly more remunerative, and that's what you also yeah. alluded to. It, it it can be fun at first, but then uh, quickly. I think that's really what was wearing on me. A lot of the touring and stuff. I was a bit like, ooh, mm. this is draining in a, in a new way that I hadn't felt before. Um, yeah. Oh, to be the, f so you did kind of run down that road for a little bit, being that mm -hmm. the, the DJ personality. Totally. Uh-huh. And, and, and ultimately is that kind of what deterred you from going in that direction and being on the road? Because you, I, I, I think, think I, so. you were also talking about how it was an unhealthy environment, which I would assume kind of means like more drug use or more kind of, yeah. or does it? I mean, a lot of drinking is like unhealthy in terms of like, I wouldn't even say drug use. There was like, as of 2018, I was basically not, uh, not drinking or doing any drugs while on tour. Uh -huh. uh, Cause that was like my only coping mechanism to like get through the day was so that I could be, if I was dead sober, I could like handle it all, which was a nice, healthy way of yeah. going. Interesting that. how that happens sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> um, a, big, kinda, a big shocker. Exactly. Uh, so that helped, but it didn't help enough for me to like still really enjoy it, I guess. Um, hmm. But yeah, it's, I'm trying to think of the right explanation here. But I think, I mean, all touring is unhealthy to a certain degree, but I guess yeah. DJ touring, which is different than band touring, is when you DJ all the time, your set times are usually between the hours of like midnight to about 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. And then when you kind of, the sleep cycle that you get out of that, if you're doing it every weekend, like three or four nights a weekend, it really, it becomes like you're torturing yourself. It's like a weird torture mechanism. <laughs> And it can really, it makes your body do crazy things. It's just and not about adjusting your body clock then, is it? It's mm -hmm. about no, it's that there's that. the fucking sun out there and you're in bed because you, you exactly. have to be. Uh -huh. And my body just couldn't, couldn't handle it at that point. Like, I think I could have, I mean, I could have definitely kept going and figured out how to do it mm -hmm. in a certain way, but it'd be a lot of sacrifice in that way. Um, and then, whereas with band touring, you at least get to go to bed at normal times. It, it depends if you choose to party or not, but still, right, yeah. I mean, semi-normal time, like a 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. would be yeah. kind of quote-unquote normal. Honestly, yeah, yeah is, much more bearable than going to bed at 6. Well, like, it's, there's a, there's a big yeah, difference between that. Yeah, yeah, totally, because you're also having to uh, operate in the real world, and you're like this one individual guy, you know, who like mm -hmm. was up till 6, and then, you know, you have to operate, you know, you got to get from the next to the next spot, and, uh, yeah. you know, and you're trying to get some sleep somehow, somewhere, or I don't I know. I just felt like a vampire empire all the time like yeah. i couldn't properly socialize i like i don't have that much social anxiety but it would really just kick in heavy uh but uh, for obvious reasons you know when you don't sleep you're not yeah you can't be you know? on in kind of any way <laughs> exactly I, I, I totally get that yeah. the touring is not for those that need a ton of sleep i mean i think i guess you know and artists are keying more into those anxieties and those issues and trying to make um touring become a lot more palatable and, and viable for, mm -hmm. um, for them long haul, I think. And I think that's a good trend. What do you think? Totally. I, I think it's great. I mean, I just came up a two month, a two month long tour in Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, I finished two weeks ago or yeah, two and a half, maybe three weeks ago now. Yeah. But honestly, it was very long, fairly grueling at times, but I came out of it feeling great. Um, great. Good for and, you, man. That's great. Yeah. It just takes hear. like, I mean, I grew a lot from touring alone to realize like what my needs are and stuff. 
Um, and luckily the party that I was touring with are awesome people and kind of, these are the tops people. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So you were with friends and stuff, which helps as well. Yeah. Um, Friends. I mean, being, if you feel like shit, but you can at least bounce that off of friends with somebody else. Yeah. And you feel like shit was, you end up feeling better no matter what. Yeah. Let's feel like shit together, everybody. No, but it's like, I'm joking about it. It's it's like, it's the camaraderie. It's It's like being in the battle together, you know, it's fighting and it's being in the trenches with others for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, that's got to be now. Yeah, I'm getting the full picture now of just yeah. how hard that would be to to do live that vampiric lifestyle exactly. uh, and just completely be be the man and be on your own and doing that. Yeah. And I mean, there is a way to do it. People do it. And oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. But I just at the time couldn't figure it out. And hey. maybe I could do it again. And I would do it differently, but who knows? So was there ever a time when they came into your mind where it's like, geez, you know, if I just was like a little bit more traditional, quote unquote, and wrote songs and, and wrote my own lyrics and, you know, wrote my own lyrics and sang my own songs, I could do something that I could tour yeah. in a fashion. I've already got a fan base, people that are interested in me. I can tour in a fashion that would be, would the, that would just work better for me. Was that, totally. that kind of go through I mean, that, that was a huge part of the motive being like, you know, playing, DJing a lot of festivals and then going to the band stages and watching bands that I like know and love play. And I was thinking a lot how that was something that I like in the context of a festival, that's actually something that I would like to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a big difference between playing with other people on stage than being alone on stage. And so it was very attractive to me to want to do that. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Cause like playing, I mean, playing music with other people that's it's, that's the best part that's why we do this um, and this is a this so. is a dj saying that people yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a little more like personal the personal interaction side is a little lacking when it's a bunch of when it's when it's vinyl spin and vinyl when it's alone yeah because i mean djing with other people is also much more fun than djing alone that's for sure and i right. would do that sometimes but not right. not enough yeah so interesting yeah. interesting mm-hmm. um so Patrick, tell me about your personal background. Where'd you grow up? You're, you're in Montreal now. I live in Montreal. I've yeah. been here for eight years now. Uh-huh. Um, I'm you grew up in Vancouver. Canada? Yeah, Vancouver. I grew up in Canada. Okay. Grew up in Vancouver. Uh-huh. So I started going out to shows and stuff when I was like 17, 18, I guess. Yeah. Um, you got fa- fa- uh, brothers, sisters? Yeah, two brothers. Yeah. I'm in the middle. Uh, <laughs> okay. Right in the middle. I come from a family that's like very into music, I would say. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm lucky in that regard, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, was it influential in the way you look at music and definitely. coming up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell tell me about that. And you're in um, at home and and music and such. Were your were your parents into DJ? <laughs> what, what music no, were they into? My parents were not into electronic stuff. I mean, yeah. I'm listening back to like older music that they would play in the house. Now I'm like, this was electronic. Like listening to like the David Gray album or something huh. like that. I'm like, these are all drum machines and stuff. <laughs> yeah um same thing with even uh like amy mann's record or like her older records she had a lot of electronics going on too but at oh, the really? time i just yeah. thought of it as being like country or something because i was a kid huh uh but that's the kind of stuff i grew up with i guess um but then i was bought my parents like kind of i guess i didn't know i was into music that much when i was young and then they bought me a drum kit for my birthday when i was like, 10 or something mm-hmm. and they sort of forced it on me and i really didn't like it at first <laughs> And then I just, I mean, it's really funny. I th- keep thinking, I'm like, that they bought their kid a drum kit. I feel like that's something. I was just about to say that. To do. Don't yeah. buy a kid a drum kit unless you're like a big <laughs> fan of the drums or have yeah. like a real like soundproof basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, with that, that, uh, yeah, I dove right into that and I played drums. I didn't like, that's so I, cool. don't, I, I don't have a history of playing in bands and stuff when I was a teenager. I just played 
drums and then I played guitar, but I kind of just played them alone, like practice mm -hmm. style all mm -hmm. the time. Um, yeah, like did lessons and stuff for drums, but not for guitar. Yeah. And then I got into doing like actually producing and making music much later, like when I was in university, when I was like 19, 20. Yeah. Where'd you go? Uh, I went to UBC, like University of British Columbia, just mm -hmm. for one year. That's in Vancouver. Uh, is that in Vancouver? In Vancouver. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then that's actually where Nardwar has his radio show at okay. C CITR Radio, um, which is like a college radio station. Nardwar? You don't know? Do you know Nardwar? I do not. Wow, man. There you go. That's yeah. it. I would say that's the number one recommendation right there. Right on. Okay. Yeah, How do you spell you it? Um, N A R D W U A R. All one word. I okay. feel like you must have seen him. I mean, there's no way you haven't seen this. He's like a famous interviewer. Uh, also has a band called The Evaporators. He's like a Canadian slash Vancouver legend. Okay, you're probably you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, you've definitely. He's like such a character. He does this thing where he goes doot 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 doot, and then like waits for the other person to finish the melody. Um, okay. Okay. You'll yeah. I mean, you'll watch it. But yeah. So all right, I'll check it out. He was, I mean, definitely as a young kid, uh, he was an inspiration for me because of the radio and stuff at this university. Like I kind of interned like very briefly at that radio station, oh. um, but he was like the famous person that kind of made it, uh, uh, made me aware of that. Oh, how'd you get the foot stuff. in the door at the radio station? I mean, I was a student at the university. So I think as a student, you're kind of like, the hey, doors are, the, yeah, yeah, you here. just walk it, you just and, walk in there. <laughs> exactly. And all I did was catalog CDs, like demo entries and stuff. I would catalog them so that people could play them or they would like put it on a running playlist and stuff. Uh -huh. Um, and then I dropped out just after that one year and then I went and then I like lived on an Island, like Vancouver Island, which I'm not sure. It's like a, just off the mainland. There's like a surf town there that I lived mm -hmm. in for a while called mm -hmm. Tofino. Is that where Victoria it's, is? It's yeah. It's where Victoria is, oh, but okay. on the other side of the Island. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And then I lived there for a while. Um, just working at a campground. I it's got to be beautiful there. out there. It seems oh, like gorgeous. off the beaten path, I guess. A yeah, little bit. it's amazing. Yeah. But I had yeah. to leave. I had to leave and get back to the city. Unfortunately, it was like a bit of a dream that I for left your behind. own. Unfor you mean like you had to come back to see for a reason or just because you missed the city? I just I needed to get back to the city. So like I, that was when I kind of decided that I wanted to do music stuff more seriously. Right. And so uh -huh. I, was, I knew I had to get to the city to do that. Um, how'd you, how'd you figure that out when you were way out there in the boondocks working in a campsite? Uh, I mean, listening to a lot of music, playing a lot at the time, just guitar and whatnot. Um, but then, yeah, I just knew that, you know, you can't just, I, I, I mean, for me, I couldn't just surf and surf and chill for the rest of my life there. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. You could, for little, you could for a Maybe, little while. <laughs> yeah, I could for a little while. And that's what I did. But uh, yeah, I wanted to get back to the city. And then I ended up going to school for composition uh, for two years after that. in Vancouver. Music, music school. Mm -hmm. I went to uh -huh. music school for two years. And then I... In Vancouver? Yeah, in Vancouver. Uh -huh. And I dropped out of that again. So I never graduated. <laughs> but I, uh -huh. yeah, I, I'm a double dropout. Um, well, look where you are now, man. Yeah, I, I guess. Those, yeah. those those couple of years served you well. And then, you know, you, you took what you could and you moved on. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then that was the time where I kind of dove right into DJing and making records and putting records out uh, of the dance music type. And then I moved to Montreal 
what would that look like when you were like, oh, I want to go spin records for a bunch of people? Like, is that just as easy as having a turntable and two turntables and a microphone? Or what is that? Uh, well, it's funny. What, I didn't what have does a that entail? at home. Like, I, I was kind of doing it all off my computer at first. And it's also not something that I was really gunning for. People just, I was released, I released music before I started DJing. Um, I was releasing more like hip hop style beats and stuff. Uh -huh. And so I met like a great crew of people there. Um, that was definitely in my like, formative years of doing all this music stuff. Uh, and that really shaped how I went about playing shows and everything more as like a collective, uh, which was super fun. Oh, interesting. Talk about that a little bit. What, what, uh, collective, just a bunch of, bunch of your friends that were doing the same thing. Yeah. A bunch of friends doing similar collabing thing and, like, and bouncing collab ideas off of one another. Exactly that. And like wide range of ages. I was on the younger end at the time. Um, but yeah, just like a very supportive group of people. It was mm -hmm. awesome. Like get, just doing gigs and, but just getting together from time to time and, yeah. and like set getting in a big like gymnasium and setting up all your stuff at various well, yeah. corners and going at each other sonically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be crazy. Would that be but fun? That would be fun. It'd be a little noisy like, and weird, but yeah, you know, maybe you put a mic in the middle of the room and see what you come up with. I guess. But instead I we would do things where you'd like DJ at a venue, but there'd be like eight of you behind the turntables. And then each person puts a new, each song is like a new person putting a song on. So it'd get pretty, Hectic oh, and hairy. That's, oh, that's for cool. Sure. That's cool. Oh, the segues yeah. must have been bananas. Yeah. Sometimes it worked and sometimes it definitely <laughs> yeah, didn't. Right. Exactly. This and is sounding like, more and more like a jam band community. Yeah, ex exactly. <laughs> but it's a great, great community of people. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I just then started doing a lot more stuff on my own, kind of throwing my own parties, um, playing with like bringing booking artists from out of town in and started working it like i never worked at a venue but i kind of functioned as a promoter for a bit there um but that's how i learned a lot about how this whole music stuff works oh so sort of repping people that you knew from the scene and getting them into yeah. certain venues in vancouver exactly interesting yeah so that was i mean a great learning experience again but that was all just through meeting people and being asked to help out with things kind of, kind of as an assistant. And then from there throwing my own parties or putting on my own shows. Right. A lot of the time. So does DJing kind of talk, talk to me about that progression from DJing into electronica or is it mm -hmm. sort of, is it, is that a progression uh, like, like in general like, or for when, when you say, when you say electronic, do you mean like the, like electronica as in like making the music or as in uh, like DJing into like, performance or something well you know using using your the the synthesizers and your keys mm. and and all all that other equipment that you have to create different sort of sonic soundscapes and um yeah. when does is was that what you were doing when you say djing or did, was did you sort oh. of move into the into so, into the arena that you had um that you were doing pre-pandemic so i was kind of already doing like before when i say djing i mean purely just like playing other people's music or playing yeah. records kind yeah, of thing yeah, yeah. in the classic sense. Right. Um, but then I, I was doing that because it was like a live performance means as to what I was doing in the studio, mm -hmm. uh, where I was like already making a lot of, I was making records and stuff at the time. Right. Uh, so I, I'd play my own music out sometimes. And then there'd be moments where I would, you know, do sets of just my own music, but still it was never like playing full instruments or live band stuff back then for me. Gotcha. Um, it was just like a lot of like backing track triggering and, and whatnot. Um, 
but yeah, and then that that turned in DJing was like much more a much more profitable way about going about it. I feel like you could DJ multiple times a week at different venues, whereas you couldn't really. It'd be like a band playing multiple times in one city versus doing a DJ set multiple times in one city. I guess one you can do and one you're like sort of maybe not able to do. Yeah, yeah. Would you be DJ? Exclusivity and stuff. Yeah. So when you were playing your own music, you'd still go out and DJ just for the cash. Yeah, totally. Is that kind of a a typical model that a lot of your friends would do as well? It it can be. I mean, it can. Well, why wouldn't you go out there and like play your own music then? But that's I what mean, eventually d- you did. Depends depends on the party. I mean, if I if people I was would, hired, people, yeah, if people I was wanted hired to, to hear DJ, your stuff. Yeah, like there'd be right. moments where I'd be, I'd be hired to DJ at like, uh, you know, a club that was primarily like top forty pop or hip hop and stuff. And if I went in and played my own music, it just <laughs> would not work at all. Right. So I was there to kind of service that. So it ends up being a bit of a a utility or like a trade almost at times I find a lot of DJing, which isn't a negative thing. I think like it does make sense as like a service um, as well. So there was like a fine balance between doing those types of gigs, but then also doing more like art style things or party style things as well. Right. Right. <clears throat> doing your own stuff. So how yeah. does that, um, what does that look like? I am mean, more familiar with kind of the all indie world of bands just starting yeah. out and playing smaller venues. What does that look like from, 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 from your perspective when like you first you started do. to kind of like early on and what did that look like when you just started to kind of gain traction from just, uh, you know, playing in venues and then sort of deciding that, Oh, I'm not going to go out tonight and DJ because I'm working on my own stuff. What did that, what did that progression yeah. early on and, and, and look like in terms of, um, how you transitioned to just playing your own music all the time? Yeah. I guess what, what really happened was like while I was doing a lot of this sort of, uh, DJ for hire stuff mm-hmm. on the side, I would be doing, I would be making records a lot. And then once the records finally got more noticed, um, people would start booking me for events where it was like booking me for my music, Yeah, I guess. And then, like you said, then I would be booked to play, basically they're booking me with the intention for me to play my own music rather than, um, DJing like other people's records. Right. Which feels good. So yeah. Yeah. And there, there ends up being that cross, but then still, like I said, like certain types of events call for, you know, playing for one hour of just my own music. And then some types of events call for playing for six hours and I can play anything, whatever you want. Exactly. And the, the, there's, there's like pros and cons to everything, but there's pros and cons to those types of events as well. Yeah. Um, and some both can be very fun. There's right. no like one that's better. That's for sure. Cool. But, um, yeah. when did you start touring nationally? That happened, uh, I would say in 2014 uh-huh. before then I hadn't really toured at all. I had done like a sneaky, like South by Southwest type set. Right. Um, and like pre visa stuff. And then it was in 2014 that I moved to Montreal and then really started kind of building a thing here. And Why'd you move I, to Montreal? Did you move to Montreal primarily for music or it's, it's, it was actually, I applied to get into school here. I was trying to like, not necessarily drop out and like mm-hmm. continue music school in Montreal. And then mm-hmm. I did such a poor job at applying to the school that I got rejected. <laughs> and right. then I was like, whatever. Just stop still... trying to go to school. Patrick. Yeah. I was I like, mean, I'm geez. done. And I was like, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just continue making music move yeah. to Montreal and live the dream. And school was not, ma- you were not made for school. No, no it's becoming really, clear to I me really now after the third, the, you took a third swing at that three yeah. strikes. <laughs> it was like really a sign that I was not, uh, it was not happening. 
Yeah. Which is a good, it's a good thing to, yeah. to finally realize. So that. you got to Montreal because you were interested in school there. That was like, no strike three, but you're yeah. still producing music. And is that a, exactly. is that a good scene for you there? Yeah. Montreal was attracted to me because I also knew I just wanted to get out of Vancouver. I've been there mm -hmm. my whole life. Um, and Toronto is the other option. Toronto was not really attractive to me at all. Montreal was more, I guess the, what I was into, like the music scene from here is quite, um, when it comes to bands and stuff, I feel like it's had many moments. Yeah. Um, and in 2014, there seemed to be a lot of different things going on. So I was quite excited about it. Yeah. I need to come up and visit. Damn. I need to yeah, get in that great. city. Yeah. For it's sure. Really fun. They used to have a baseball um, team. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, I so, so touring. Here. So what about touring? What does that look like for a Canadian? Like to, like you talked about visa, you mentioned visa at one point, were you able to come down? Like, you know, I don't know, play Detroit or play, yeah, you know, sort well, of just like start a little four across, across the South of the border forays, little. Exactly. Yeah. And then once, yeah, once I moved to Montreal, I like was established enough to like finally get a visa, like a touring visa. And mm -hmm. then I'm going to, to the States was like much easier than it was from Vancouver. From Van, like the closest city, Seattle. Super Seattle far away. Have, yeah. yeah. Super far away. And like, I mean, not not that far to drive or whatever, but it's still a bit of an island. Like Seattle. I mean, it's doable. But once you come over and get into Detroit from the from yeah. Toronto, then you're like in the Midwest, and there's seven different cities within four exactly. hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Being on the East Coast is much better. Like being able to go that from Montreal. Too. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Montreal to New York is only a six and a half hour drive. Ah, okay, yeah, okay. On, on a good day, uh, uh, but even flying is like an hour long. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So moving here was great. I like. I think in the first year, I played in New York almost immediately. Right on. Um, and then went off to Europe after that. And then also the flight to France or whatever is much chiller. Like going from Vancouver, it's a very expensive flight and quite oh, it's difficult. Super far. Super far. So do you have to learn French or did you already kind of learn that in schools I mean, that you didn't finish? We, we learned, we learned <laughs> one, of your, in, one of your school stints. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you do learn French in school here, like in yeah. elementary and high school, but they don't do a very good job of teaching it, especially on the West Coast. So I didn't like retain much French at all. Yeah. Um, but still to this day, I'm not a French speaker by any means. I can right. get by in certain situations, but. Sounds like my French. Yeah. I took it all throughout <laughs> school, but then I like, you land in Paris and you're like, wait, hold on. <laughs> exactly. You get taught this like whole other type of French on the well, West Coast that like isn't oh. what you should be speaking out here necessarily. Uh, um, and then it just doesn't translate properly or anything. So. Interesting. Uh, how good are you at it now? Good. Uh, I mean, I'm fine. I'm not, yeah. like I said, I'm not a French speaker now. Um, yeah. But I can, you know, I can make my way through menus and Did people order. give you shit in Montreal? I mean, Are they like Parisians? People do. <laughs> yeah, people do give you shit, especially if you live here and you don't speak French. People give you more shit mm -hmm. for that. Um, but there's always, there's ways to, you know, there's ways to get through it all. Yeah. Sure. So were you happy to break into the U.S. markets and, and, yeah, and such? Totally. What did that look like for you? Um, well, I think it took a bit. It took me going to Europe a bunch first before mm -hmm. actually breaking in the U S market. Um, mm -hmm. and even like for DJing, there's not, it's not like touring as a band, like the, a very specific, it's like a much smaller market. The American market, Europe is by far the main focus. So like in the U S uh. for DJing you have, or electronic music in general, I find, uh, as a Canadian, like when you're coming in from out of the country, the only places you really end up going are LA, Miami, and New York typically. And then, I think if you're more big in the States, then cities like Chicago and Detroit open up for you, Philly yeah. and like other spots. But I still played, like I played in Phoenix a couple of times. I've played in Tucson twice as a yeah. DJ, which surprises me. Huh. Um, 
but and like same thing with Denver and stuff too but yeah. it's not like a band style where you can go to the states and play like 35 yeah, shows yeah for sure in a so month. you're are you are you saying that in Europe it, it is like that it is like that yeah. uh -huh. in why Europe, what, 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 what accounts just, for that difference it's just more people are more into it and like you've, there's just a bigger audience there broader audience yeah like the lot I feel like in terms of the venue circuit and stuff it's much more of a thing there um and then getting around like flying and stuff maybe not anymore but uh years ago before all the airlines crashed uh yeah. there was so like, to speak. flying around so to speak yeah, yeah. So, so to speak <laughs> there was like a mer very uh high volume of people you know traveling to different cities and stuff would cost you like under 50 euros or something uh so it was like yeah those uh they have tons of budget airlines in europe yeah, where you gotta like tons. drop a dime in the slot to go to the bathroom or something exactly yeah so there was a lot of a lot of that kind of and which allowed for a lot of you know traveling around made it really easy and taking cool. trains and stuff but in terms of the venues like there are a lot more venues uh equipped for electronic music and djing than there are in the states what does it mean for, for sure. a venue to be equipped to play electronic music uh the sound system is a big one like the style of, it's not just your classic pa rig it's more of like a tuned sound system that sort of fills out the whole room different than live music a sound system would ah, um, so it's more of like a surround sound kind of feel yeah and more would be surround, really and also cool being very like you know, not necessarily bass heavy in a blown out sense, but in a cleaner sense, like in terms of sub and stuff, uh, which mm -hmm. isn't necessarily uh, a priority for a lot of live music stuff. Um, and what about lighting rigs and stuff? Do you do like, yeah, a light, and, do, and do you have light, laser, do you have lasers? <laughs> no, I, I never traveled with lights or anything, <laughs> but uh, I think minimal lighting is a big one. And with DJing, it's like very, uh, the darker the room, the better in my cool. opinion. Cool. Yeah. So, so you do yeah. use the house, you do use house lights, house lights all the time. Yeah. yeah. Because that's, that's the thing. These, these venues were more like spaces that were curated by an in-house team uh, uh -huh. and you're kind of entering their, uh, yeah. So you just go with the flow and you're like, yeah, yeah okay. It's, it's, you guys it's, do, it's you, you, they, they're, like, they're locals. They know what the locals want. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. Just, that's what they're used the, to also. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. you're bringing the music rather than bringing a whole show, um, uh -huh. in, a, in a lot of ways as a DJ for these types of venues. Interesting. Yeah. What's one country that stands out for you in Europe? I mean, Germany is a bit like for this type of thing specifically playing in Germany is like great. There's a lot yeah. of amazing clubs, but then uh -huh. honestly, like, I don't even know, like it's surprising certain cities that have like huge scenes for this. Yeah. Um, Amsterdam's one, yeah. Barcelona's oh. another one. Barcelona's crazy when it comes to dance music. <laughs> yeah. It's really nuts. Um, yeah, the venues they have are just, they're uh, top notch. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, and then London, I guess, is kind of the main market for a lot of it this is. stuff in, uh, the, in Europe or that side of the ocean. Cool, uh, cool. Yeah, I gotta get in. I gotta get into the stuff more, and hopefully, it'll start with <laughs> I mean, coming to your the, show, man. The, the big thing is you're kind of in the the hist the epicenter when it comes to like the history of dance music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Mm -hmm. So, what does it look like going out now um, with this um, with your new album and? How are you feeling? And what's that going to look like taking it on the road? Well, on the road, it'll be a three piece. So I have my friend, uh, Bane, who's playing bass with mm -hmm. me. And then my other friend, Amory, who makes music as Alpen Glow. That's mm -hmm. her artist's name. She'll be playing keys and do it singing backups. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be playing guitar and singing as well. And then for, for drums, no live drums for now. Um, I got to keep the tour party small at the beginning. But yeah, we'll be yeah. Doing you know, little drum. Well, you're so well track. versed in doing drum 
tracks. I mean, holy shit. Save yourself yeah, I, some cash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, I would love to have live drums, but yeah, it's it, it makes a... Uh, you got to get a big van for that. That's for sure. It's not just adding a person. It's adding do you guys a, do in in ear monitors because of I would all the electronic to, stuff that you do, or no? Won't be won't be doing in ears. This run is going to be the 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 main goal is to have for backing tracks just percussion. There won't be any other backing track at play. So okay, so you just hit really one gonna, button at the beginning of the song and you guys are exactly. Off. And then we're mo- mostly focused on uh, doing everything live. Does it make so, you nervous that you've got a track that's not that's not see, human controlled to a certain extent? It just it does. there's a start and it, a stop, and if you fuck up in the middle, exactly, then you just kind of like figure it out and like hopefully exactly. it was transparent. Yeah, so that's that's where it takes. We've been doing rehearsals for the last bit here, right? Um, and the thing is, I know the songs really well. Yeah, because uh, so, so it's, it's about, always somebody else's fault. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, you know, it's about simplifying and like making signals in this drum track as to where we can sit and kind of providing safeguards for certain things. So it is a bit more human controlled to a certain extent. Interesting. We'll see. Yeah, so you've know. gone through all those things in rehearsal and you've 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 flubbed yeah. it in rehearsal and figured mm-hmm. out and and come back to it and then Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, oh yeah, flubbed. so it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's possible. Yeah. We're flubbing through a lot of it right now. I mean, I mean me me included. It's definitely I would say yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's a fun it's a funny uh, again, another sort of eye-opening vulnerable process of rehearsing these songs live. You're like, "Oh shit, okay." Yeah, this totally. This is really where we're at, you know. That's exciting. How excited um, are you? I'm stoked. I'm very stoked. Talk about, we started the whole thing on talking about like new challenges and new frontiers mm-hmm. for you. Well, getting this album out there was one and then taking it on the road is a whole other yeah, one. It's a whole other one. I mean, I'd say it's equally as difficult as making the record. That's for yeah. Sure. Yeah. Where, where, where are you guys headed? Do you got, yeah, you, um, you have dates we'll already doing, out there? We're doing some dates in August with Michael Imperioli's band, Zopa. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in August 25th and 26th in Montreal and Toronto. Michael Imperioli. Yeah. As you the, know, as, as in the actor, as in the actor. Yeah. Correct. Nice. Christopher, Christopher, yeah, Christopher. Exactly. So I get to play with another, uh, Italian North American. Uh, on nice. The nice. Uh, which is great. Oh, you have roots in Italy? Did you didn't tell I me do. about that? I lived in yeah. Italy for several years. I, I mean, I've only been there a couple times briefly. Yeah. But my family, I'm quarter Italian. My mom's side of the family is Italian. Nice. They're from, nice. from Naples. Oh, that's so funny. I talked to um, Senor Rubinos at, uh, at Pitchfork, and I was surprised to know that her drummer and husband was from Naples. I didn't know that going yeah. in. And, and I've only been to Naples very briefly as like a kid, and uh, I want to go back as an adult really badly. Oh, it's an amazing city. It's mm-hmm. so, it's so, And so there's cool. a lot of great music coming out of there right now, too. Yeah. So you've only played in Italy a couple times? Yeah. And with Tops, we played in Bologna two months ago as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Cool mm-hmm. college town, right? How was the crowd there? It was great. I mean, it was a smaller show, I guess, but it was we were playing outside and it was super hot and uh, it was very fun. How were the crowds in Italy? I'm really curious. How the crowds? Yeah, just like the vibe yeah. and the people and like. I mean, we, you know. unfortunately, we only had one show in Italy. And so uh, it was very. Well, you picked a good, a, you picked like one of the cooler cities to do yeah, that. Yeah, totally. But no, it was a very fun, very fun crowd. Very right. relaxed, honestly. It was awesome. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah. So you're taking the band out, and the band's Patrick Holland. The band is Patrick Holland, and, and then going so to you're going a bunch friends. of doing doing a bunch of dates in Europe. Doing oh no, but I, I'm sorry. This is in. I'm just doing dates in North America. Oh first. okay, all right. So we don't, we haven't planned the Europe stuff yet. That'll okay. likely happen next spring. Okay, um, stay tuned. 
but we, the we North Americans that we're also, I'm not sure, it hasn't been announced yet. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to mention it, but we okay. are so don't, su- then. supporting a band on tour in November, early November. So we'll be doing some dates in New York and other cities. We'll be in Philly, not making right. it to Chicago, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, we'll be make, making our way down to DC on the, on the East coast, just doing a quick East coast kind of stint. Right on. And this is the yeah. one in support of Patrick Imperioli. Oh no, sorry. The we're doing Michael Imperioli tour Michael. in just just Canadian dates, just Montreal and Toronto uh, at okay. the end of, okay. end of August. Uh, and then good trial yeah. run. Good trial run. Yeah. Right on. And then right playing on. like a local festival here, Pop Montreal. Uh-huh. As well. Right on. Right on. But yeah. It's all good, man. Sounds great. Yeah. You gotta be psyched to get out there. I'm really uh, definitely really really yeah. psyched, really psyched for you. I'll be following along for sure. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks so much for being here, Patrick. I'm so um, I, I'm I'm so pleased to have had you and learn more about you. And so uh, it's so interesting to learn about this whole this this world of electronica and that you're kind of moving yeah. into a whole a whole new direction with your own songs and and now you're singing outside of the shower. So yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. always, it's, there it's, we go. It's a lot drier that way. Maybe but, I'll you know. start singing in the shower. We'll see. That there could you be go. Anything for me? Yeah, right. Well, a little bit of noise from the water running, but I'm sure you're gonna. Yeah, figure, yeah, you'll yeah. figure that out. Well, thanks a lot for being here, Patrick. It was so uh, so cool to uh, to get to know you, and um, I wish you the best of luck, brother. Awesome. Thanks to you, Josh. Thanks yeah. for having me. Cheers. Okay. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks. Okay, that was Patrick Holland on Roadcase. Really had a great time talking to Patrick. It's such an interesting point in Patrick's career, having come from Electronica as Project Pablo and now uh, venturing off and playing his own material, his own lyrics, singing and uh, playing a solo effort under his own name, Patrick Holland. And it's just such an interesting transitional period for him. But he says, hey, it's fun to switch it up. And I've got to applaud that that courage that it takes to uh, get out there and be vulnerable and sing and uh, he is just, uh, he's into the challenges and I really, really re- admire that and respect that. And, uh, how about the whole ghost story at the beginning, uh, really speaks to that loneliness and solitude and being in these big ass hotels, uh, on his own when he's, uh, touring his electronic music. And, uh, that's sort of really what drove him to a certain extent to want to play with friends and play in a band again and stop touring solo. And also that electronic music atmosphere, um, you know, he was like no longer identifying with the scene, the hours, like I said, the solitude, uh, he said he felt like a vampire, but, um, was really interesting to learn more about the the EDM scene and how that all happens from a technical standpoint from from Patrick's perspective and how he puts that all together and what that looks like. I, I didn't really know a lot about that world and um, learned a lot about it. And his story is just just extraordinary. You know, he says playing with others is the best, and uh, moving from EDM into what he's doing now is just a uh, just a really really fantastic. I wish him the best and I wish him a ton of success with this new album. You're the boss. Again, he's playing on the date of the publication of this episode, September 30th at Pop Montreal International Music Fest in Montreal, uh, then comes back a month later in Montreal, plays there on October 31st, and then ventures into the East Coast for a week-long tour of venues there. You can find out more information by visiting Patrick's website at hollandpatrick.com. want to thank all of you for being along for the ride for this really interesting conversation, and I'd like to thank Patrick Holland 
Holland for being here on this episode of Road Case. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at RoadcasePod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road. Mm-hmm.